Good evening, everybody. My name is Jared Roscard, and today I will be talking about why the United States shouldn't have fought in the Vietnam War. I will be splitting my podcast into three different parts. The first part will be the general information and background on the Vietnam War. The second part of the podcast will be an interview with Mrs. Spangolo, the paraprofessional in the SPED department at the high school. And the third part on my podcast will be my own opinion and why I stand by it on the Vietnam War. Let's get started with the first part of the podcast. The Vietnam War was started almost directly 10 years after the Second World War. It was between North Vietnam and Southern Vietnam. The Northern Vietnam leader, Ho Chi Minh, wants to have Vietnam be a communist country, while the Southern Vietnam leader, his name was Ngo Dinh Diem, he was a Catholic leader who did not want communism, but wanted to keep Vietnam as an empire as it always had been. And he wanted backup from the United States, which he got. The Northern Vietnam leader wanted to create a trade route from Laos and Cambodia to end up in the South Vietnam. This contributed to lots of attacks through the trade route. This trade route was called the Ho Chi Minh Trail, named right after their leader. In July 1959, the first U.S. soldiers are killed in Vietnam. And the North Vietnam leader, Ho Chi Minh, faces declining health problems and is replaced by Le Duan to lead the communist side. The United States uh, figures to name the North Vietnam Viet Cong because of the National Liberation Front as a wing of the North Vietnam, which supported lots of communism. So they decided to put together Vietnam and communist and name it Viet Cong. Now I'll be talking about some of the controversial technology and regular technology of the war. In southern Vietnam, they relied mostly on B-52 bomber planes, a very popular model of airplane in the World War II. On the ground, guns consisted of M-16 assault rifles were redesigned in 1966 to last longer in wet conditions. And one of the most controversial pieces of technology of warfare in this war was napalm, which was a bomb made out of gasoline or jet fuel. And it was a very inhumane way of war because it made the person you bond with them burn to death, which is a very gruesome and just inhumane way of killing an enemy. And most southern Vietnam weapons were consisted of long-range assault rifles with fast rounds. Now for northern Vietnam weapons. They consisted mostly made by the Soviet Union and China due to the fact that they supported communism and wanted Vietnam to be a communist country. They used solar-mounted anti-aircraft weapons such as the SA-7 Grail missile launcher, which was used very effectively due to the heavy amounts of B-52 bomber airplanes the southern Vietnam Nam was using. Ground weapons consisted of mostly AK-47s, which were heavily distributed with the Soviet Union design. North Vietnam also used stolen weapons from the French and Japanese stolen during the World War II and distributed by China or Soviet Union. The Vietnam War ended, kind of. In January 1973, the United States and North Vietnam signed a peace agreement and this ended the war for the United States. Those Southern Vietnam and North Vietnam continued fighting until about April 30th, 1975, because the Democratic Republic of Vietnam, which is just another name for Southern Vietnam, captured the Saigon, the capital of Northern Vietnam. So they 
say they are going to agree to a peace treaty, which is on paper, but violent conflict still continues for the next 15 years. And after that, trade finally resumes with Vietnam and the United States in early 1990. The death tolls of the Vietnam War are pretty excruciating. Two million Vietnamese people are killed, three million are injured, and 12 million became refugees. 90,000 United States soldiers are dead, and 153,000 come back injured. Now for the second part of the podcast. Mrs. Bangalow is a paraprofessional at Haver High School. She is a nice lady who I believe is a hero. She had risked her own life to help future generations like us live the life we live today. I encourage everyone who hears her story to truly thank her for her service. Teresa Mack Spangalow, Mack is her maiden name, volunteered to the United States Air Force in 1972. This time, women were not allowed to make any income in the armed forces unless they were a nurse. Women also were not able to be deployed. Since Spangalow volunteered, she was put on the TDY list. TDY stands for Temporary Duty Assignment. This means she would have to be stationed in an area for 89 days and then be shipped out on the 90th day to a different country or base so she could stay in the Air Force. This certain group was an act of backup for the military. They were there to give rest to regular soldiers and to help fill in so others could fulfill their relaxation needs. This group had to stay out of the United States during their time away. When she arrived in the capital of Vietnam, Saigon, in Cameron Bay, Da Nang, she got off the plane and described it as the following. It smelled like rotten soil and the ocean mixed all together. It was hot and muggy. It was everything I didn't expect besides the body bags. There were 500 body bags being shipped back to the U.S. on the plane I rode on. Everything was moving and there was no time to wait. You had to be fast, efficient, and get to where you wanted to go. She then describes the situation of the local people. You didn't trust anyone. You you could sit down for a meal with a local one day and the next day they would try and poison you. This was also difficult to tell because no one wore uniforms. You couldn't tell who was from Viet Cong or South Vietnam. Many of the locals hated to cooperate with the military because they felt like their rights were being taken away. And they looked at it like we were there to bring the war and not try and help them. She then describes her typical work day while in Vietnam. We worked 14 to 18 hours a day. I was part of a group who would make proposals for attacks. Each person would make a plan and give it to the chief, and then each plan would be carefully analyzed, and whichever plan everyone voted for, that's the one they went with. The plan would also have to be picked by which village had the most troops, and the one with the most troops they would bomb. She paused for a moment, looked up, and looked back at me and said, You had to think about the bombings as you were trying to help your troops stay alive and to eliminate the enemy. You couldn't care about who they were, their family, or even the civilians. You're making this plan to stand up for the people with you. She continued, During the day, you will go on to play either a 141 or a 130, and you will look at the geography of the area to help make a better understanding of the area. At the end of the day, many soldiers would drink and then go to bed. Once you're in the bed, you hope that you didn't get woken up at 2 or 3 in the morning to get on a plane. Some mornings you had to, and then a full work day on top of that. I then asked her, a more personal question about her psychological experiences in Vietnam, and she replied with, Now I want you and everyone else to understand something. When you came back from Vietnam, you either came back or you didn't at all. Many soldiers would physically come back, but they were mentally still there. 
I decided I wasn't there anymore, and I got my teaching degree, and I met my husband. I had kids, and now I have grandkids, and my husband has passed away, but I haven't let it get to me. I love the life I'm living, and there are the little things, but I don't let them bring me down too much. I then asked her what are some of the disabilities she has from the war. I, I am a disabled veteran. Both of my knees have been replaced from an accident. I have PTSD. It comes around mostly during Christmas because I spent four Christmases in Vietnam. Other things that scare me or I get flashbacks from are when people are scaring me from behind. I always have to have my back to the wall because I do not like people behind me or not knowing what's behind me. I also do not like fireworks because of the loud booms. Lastly, I asked her what she thinks about politicians and the way they treat vets. She replied with, I truly think the politicians that do notice us love us during an election year and make empty promises and after the election is over, we are forgotten and left in the dust. As like in Haver, Montana, there hasn't been a doctor at the vet station for more than three months in the past eight years. Now, I'm very thankful Mrs. Banglow shared her story with me. Made me realize that she is just another hero that lives amongst us that many people do not know about. I highly encourage everyone to say thank you to Mrs. Banglow because she truly is a hero. The next step in the podcast will be about my own opinion on the war and how I stand up behind it. The Vietnam War occurred directly after the Second World War. Ironically, another war we got drug into. We agreed to send troops to southern Vietnam to try and fight off the expansion of communism, which I thought was a good reason for small numbers of troops and not the numbers that were actually sent. I'm not a fan of communism like many people aren't due to the fact of strip freedoms that I exercise daily. The times during this were very uncertain, and many were ready for use of nuclear warfare, which was still very new to all militaries in the world, and could kill everybody on this planet. Lyndon B. Johnson was a president during the vital decisions of the war. Johnson was handed a 33-page report from the CIA on the takeover of communism in Southeast Asia, regardless of what U.S. troops could do. He was given this two and a half years too late with the U.S. lives already been taken and many already in the ground. So he decided to ignore it and said the U.S. does not get defeated or the U.S. does not give up. A very bold act from Johnson, which kept endangering the lives of many U.S. troops. Yet in 1975, Americans would realize just what the CIA said would happen. The takeover of communism would continue and many U.S. troops would be dead. I take this as a complete loss at war for the U.S. We could have stayed out of that war, but as us Americans try to do, we like to help our neighbors, which is why I partially agree why we did fight in this war. Otherwise, we could have tried to figure out plans with the Soviet Union, and the Cold War might have not happened. The Cold War was so hard on many people, having to build bases in their basements and fear of nuclear warfare every day and have drills about a nuclear bomb could be dropped on their town and just kill all civilization on the planet. Now, the amount of injured or or soldiers that came back from the war might be higher than fatalities, but this was the worst war in American history. There were no fair play rules or fair weapons. This war was meant to kill all enemies and not give a not give any care about making peace. Now, this is hard to imagine, especially with what's going on in our day and age. But you look back at the people who are in the war. 
Look at Mrs. Spanglow. She suffers from PTSD. If a student or a teacher wants to scare her, she takes that and wants to hurt them because of the ways she's been treated by people before. And it could just ruin her day or her week or her month just because of what she's experienced and what our veterans have experienced because of this war. Please take this into consideration. Thank you for listening.